Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? Don't listen to the wedding planner. (laughs) Listen to yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Good advice right there. Welcome to the Curious Folks Podcast. For those challenging the status quo in love, sex, and relationships, my name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla. And today, we're challenging the idea that only traditional relationships deserve to be celebrated with a ceremony. And we're curious. How do you plan an event that honors unique relationships? What happens when marriage to a partner is off the table? Maybe you're already married to someone else or not interested in legal marriage. How can you celebrate your partnership without going down the traditional route? And if you decide on a wedding, how do you design it to incorporate the queer or poly or kink aspects of who you are? The wedding industry in the U.S. is worth a whopping $57.9 billion. $57.9 billion? Yes, almost $58 billion. I don't even, I can't even think about that money. Like, I can't even... (laughs) wrap my head around that kind of money yes this huge industry keeps 330,000 businesses afloat and creates jobs for just shy of a million people it's wild it's huge yeah Uh, with an average wedding costing the best part of a $20,000 every beat of this experience every beat of the wedding ceremony is monetized and commercialized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, from books for inspiration to planners for organization and the endless mood boards detailing every inch of the experience that at some point you're likely to pay for. Besides all of that, you have to balance family tradition and cultural norms and, mm-hmm. you know, keep up with the dedicated social media accounts and the TV shows and magazines <laughs> telling you the latest trends. There is just a mm-hmm. lot of pressure. And create your own media accounts, create your own website. Yes. You have your own IG where people follow, where they can get the details. Yes. It is, it's a big deal, Effie Blue. Yeah, wish lists and this platform and an invitation mm-hmm. platform and all sorts of things. With all that, all up in there, all focused on one day, there is a lot of pressure. And knowing your story, you've gone through this a few times. Mm-hmm. I've had three relationship ceremonies, each more non-traditional than the last, married twice, relationship commitment once. So first time was, it kind of wasn't untraditional. So I was five years out of college, met my ex-husband. We'd been together five years and he he got down on bended knee in October And our anniversary, our five-year anniversary was coming up that March. And as soon as he did that and I said, yes, I was like, we're getting married on March 1st because that was Mm. our five-year anniversary. I was dedicated to make that happen. And so we decided to do a destination wedding. We did it in Puerto Rico. That's where my family is from. And so we did it to incorporate some culture into into our ceremony. 
but also with the hopes that a lot of people wouldn't show up because they would have mm-hmm. to travel there, mm-hmm. except for the fact that everyone wants to go to Puerto Rico. Yes. <laughs> and so like almost a hundred people ended up showing up anyway, which is not at nice. all what we expected. Mm-hmm. But that was really fun. And we did because it was destination. We had different events at the hotel and we coordinated charter buses to go to different places. And he and I got married in the town square where my grandmother grew up in Puerto Rico. And then we we took a bus to another part of the of Puerto Rico where my grandfather is from and did the and did the, the reception there. So so that was fun and a lot of work. And I got the bride magazines mm. and I got, you know, but I went to Staples and did the invitations myself. Like I didn't have, uh, I had a wedding planner for, for Puerto Rico because I wasn't over there, but, but most of the stuff I did on my own. Mm. Second time out, I got married and again, it was very different. We got married at the carousel in Brooklyn Bridge Park. Mm, I've seen your photos. The Bridge Beautiful. The water. Mm-hmm. And we did it in the morning and then we went to go have brunch afterwards. And we only invited family. And so there was about 20 people there. Um, And that was something, again, that I initiated. (laughs) My wife probably would not have gotten married otherwise. But I was like, no, this is the thing that I want to do. And so we did. And and I got a white dress, but it was just like a regular white dress from a store. And it was was wedding-esque. It was wedding adjacent. Uh Uh And for that particular one, we thought, we don't need a wedding planner. Like, I can do it all on my own. Uh That's I think I can do everything on my own. And then partially the way through, I was like, this, I cannot, I cannot (laughs) do this on my own. I cannot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I reached out to an old high school friend of mine, Marissa Flores, who is the founder of Event Ninjas. And she was amazing and fantastic. And like the her thing kept growing. I'm like, can you just help us with the chairs and maybe your mm-hmm. microphone? Actually, can you do that? And but also like, like the catering, you know, snacks. And then actually, can you coordinate <laughs> by the end of it? She was just running all of the things. Nice. And and so it, we really tried to choose vendors and work with partnerships with folks who would get us and what we were mm-hmm. looking for. We worked mm-hmm. with the Chosen Family Law Center, which is mentioned in the conversation today, which mm-hmm. is founded by Diana Adams, mm-hmm. who's been on our, who's done went workshops for us, but we specifically work with them for that reason. And so again, try to move towards non-traditional as much as possible. And then about two years ago, I had a commitment ceremony with my partner. Can't get married. I'm already married. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to plan something on our own. Our The day that we met was New Year's. So that's the day that we celebrate as our anniversary. And we got a fancy hotel room and I got like a sparkly dress mm-hmm. and she wore a suit and we had candles and we like exchanged words. And it was beautiful and intimate and focused on how we wanted to feel and experience each other that day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Beautiful. So I've done it a few times and each time try to make it less commercialized than mm-hmm. the last. It's hard. It's so hard. It is. It's hard. And I think, and (laughs) as I realized, that's why we need help. And actually, our guide through the conversation today is Amber D'Amato, who is a wedding planner and officiant who helps to create meaningful time for those who are celebrating a wedding or relationship ceremony. And in particular, she works with LGBTQ+, multi-relationship, multicultural families, and uses coaching and meditation to make the planning process less stressful more joyful and inclusive of all of those who are participating in the celebration. And she, I can tell you, is the right person for this. I have known Amber for many, many, many years. She's one of my closer friends. 
I'll say one of my closest friends, uh, when I was spending more time in New York, we'd see each other regularly. We, at some point, lived together. So, you know, I know her well and I know how she is around people. And when you think about how stressful weddings are, you do want someone like yeah. Amber around you. And she's, she's this... She's so positive and calm. Exactly, <laughs> yes. exactly. And like organized and like problem solver, mm-hmm. really sort of creative way of going about this. And, you know, if there was a crisis, you just wouldn't feel it. You know, she would just contain it in such a way and handle it in such a way that you wouldn't feel it, feel it at all. And I think, you know, when she said she wanted to do this a few years ago and, and asked me if you think that would be a good path for her, I, it was a big fat yes, yes, yes. It would exactly be the right thing for you. And people who are working with you are, are blessed. And, and the, her approach to weddings is a bit like actually how I approach relationships in terms of the people that I work with. She just takes on those who want to challenge the status quo, who want to design celebrations, uh, rituals, um, events that challenge the status quo, that really reflect their relationship and their design and focuses on on non-traditional setups. Yeah, she's amazing. I met her at the We Did a Love Languages event mm-hmm. where we had different stations, if you remember, and oh, each station God, was yes. reflective of a different love language. That was so much fun. It was a soiree. It was a soiree with the love language. Yes. Love language theme soiree we did. One of the last ones, no? Yeah, you can find out and you can actually listen to it. Episode five is Love Languages. And actually, and we did a, co- a collaboration with Grown Up Questions, which is another podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I met her because she was in the touch area of mm-hmm. the Love Languages party. And she was teaching people how to give massages to yes. their partners. Yes, and And that to me, like that embodied who she is. It felt intimate, but she was coaching. It was calm and it was intimate, but she was still in it. But you were focused on your partner. Like all of the things and the ways that she showed up in that experience mm-hmm. in that space, I imagine as a part of the, the wedding planning process. Mm-hmm. And I wish I would have worked with her. Yes. <laughs> I'm thrilled with how I, the first time out, I wish I would have worked with her. The, the second two, I think I, I learned my lesson. But for the first one, when I was getting all those bride magazines and uh-huh, like you said, color sure. schemes, and yeah. you know I went dress shopping with my mom and all the things I wish I would have had her there yeah no exactly exactly and, and also you know her work represents her community so she's a queer woman as she explained and she we've hung out and with people who are living this life fully fledged and open so she really comes from that and I love her attitude towards um, how she goes about this so really there's nothing else to say other than other than enjoy the episode it's a good one I do weddings for people who want something different. So sometimes what that looks like is multi-relationship. Obviously in this country, only two people can get married, but sometimes people want other people that they're partnered with involved. I also do multicultural weddings. So, you know, blending of different kinds of cultures and traditions Sometimes people just want something that's not from brides.com, you know, sometimes people (laughs) want something different for their wedding, right? Sometimes, especially with queer folks, people are, are interested in really bringing their own ideas and dreams to the table. And that's what I'm here for. Nice. Beautiful. I am curious about the most non-traditional ceremonies that you have organized? 
Well, the one that's fresh on my mind is the last wedding that I did this past October. One of the things, well, there's a couple of things that made it non-traditional. I'd say one of the things was that the couple really wanted to exchange their vows in private. They felt some kind of obligation to the family to like stand up and do like a ceremony and a ritual and kind of invite the family in. But they really, from the beginning, they really just felt like that was a personal thing for them. They didn't want to share their vows with everybody publicly. And so it was a young couple, one, one sort of femme person and one non-binary person. And what, what we did was we, we had a very short ceremony. None of the traditionals, you know, do, do you promise to do all these things? And then we actually asked all the guests to put their phones away. So to create like a moment of intimacy, and I kind of reassured the guests ahead of time, we weren't expecting this, but you know, you, you get up there and everybody is uh, standing there with their cell phones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of like, um, we paid a lot of money for this beautiful photographer here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I promise she's going to take amazing pictures. And as soon as we're done with the ceremony, there's going to be this incredible Santa Fe desert sunset. So there'll be plenty of opportunities for you to pull your phone out then. But this ceremony is going to be super short. You know, we invite you to put your phones away. So everybody put the phones away. We did the ceremony and then people did indeed have all this time for these sunset photos. But while people were up there taking photos, hanging out, there was music. The couple just went back to their room and I had some food there for them. (laughs) And they just sat in their room and ate snacks and shared their vows privately with nobody else. And it was just what they wanted. They told me later, it was just what they wanted. So another interesting non-traditional thing we did there was they were like, look, we just want to have like a pizza party with our friends. But the family wanted like options for food and they wanted to not have pizzas just delivered to like the place where we were having the wedding. So even a pizza party can be dressed up to be something that the couple wants to share, but to kind of find a way to like make everybody happy. Mm. Another non-traditional wedding that I did a couple of years ago was in Mexico. And one of the people that was getting married uh, is Jewish and the other one is Catholic. Mm-hmm. And they're also queer folks and neither one of them are particularly religious, but their families are. And they wanted to have these kind of different uh, religious traditions kind of mixed into the ceremony also with their own sort of queer vibrance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a really fun non-traditional ceremony as well. Yeah. So Amber, I'm curious, you're doing a lot of awesome, interesting expressions of love and relationship and commitment as a part of these ceremonies. I'm wondering also, who who do you tend to work with? Like who, who are the type of people, couples, mores do you work with? I mean, I'm happy to work with anybody. But I particularly love working with people who want to come to me with their own unique ideas and their own dreams and maybe also people who feel like they don't fit into a traditional sort of wedding, to use your words, a status quo, right, of Mm -hmm. traditional wedding. I love working with people who are polyamorous or 
people who are, have open relationships. I love working with people who come from different cultural backgrounds. I love working with LGBTQ plus community and queer folks. I'm a, a queer woman myself, so I, I find that to be like a wonderful complementary yeah, connection. Anybody who wants to design their own journey, wedding journey or, you know, commitment ceremony or anything like that. I thought about you about two years ago when I was having, uh, it was my one year anniversary with my partner and we wanted to do something to celebrate. And so we had to think really creatively about, well, what could we do and where could we go? And would it be just us? And would we invite other people? But then we'd have to explain it to other people. And, you know, what would I wear? What would you wear? And so there was just, there was so many details and part of it was fun, but part of it was stressful. Just like a real wedding. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I'm wondering if you, if you, you can give folks some ideas if they can't get married or do not want a wedding ceremony, if you can give folks some suggestions around non-traditional celebrations and rituals. Sure. I love that you use the word ritual. I think that really that's where the magic comes in. If you're not doing a quote unquote wedding, I think that really finding something that feels like a ritual and that would be very special to the couple you know, some people share a sandwich together and they, they say, you know, maybe they're foodies or something. And they're like, we're going to eat this sandwich together and take silly, you know, pictures or, or maybe no pictures, maybe nobody's there. Maybe you have a, a ritual or a ceremony on a beautiful adventure together on a hike. Maybe you want your pets involved. So you have a, a small ceremony with your pets just like in weddings, you know, people, not in every culture, but in many cultures, people exchange rings. There's like a ritual to exchanging this like physical thing, right? Or like in, you know, Jewish weddings, they break a glass, (laughs) right? There's, there's often a, a physical thing mixed with a ritual that has some kind of connected meaning, meaning. And so finding a symbol to you and turning that into a ritual, I think can be a really connected and wonderful thing. I don't think it has to be stressful. I think it can be a very connected way to maybe put your relationship goals together. I I know some people use like the Jewish ketubah, which is like a, it's like a marriage uh, agreement. Some poly folks that I know have used that as a way to simply put their relationship agreements on paper. And it's this, you know, beautiful thing. It's, it's, you know, you get artists to make it for you. And, and of course, some of those relationship agreements are likely to change, but perhaps you're putting the ones that are really important that are going to endure on this Mm -hmm. paper that you, that you sign together, maybe co-parenting agreements or co-parenting of pets agreements or, you know, or just relationship agreements in general that you, that you really want to keep that will endure through time. And some people choose to write them down. Some people just choose to exchange them or to say them to each other, but really it would be so personal for the people that are doing the ceremony, what that ritual would look like. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you share some examples of ceremonies that you've done with more than two people? Yeah, sure. So 
one ceremony. This was very fun. I feel like this also fits into your delightful podcast. The couple is polyamorous and a big part of also their identity is that they're kinky. Mm -hmm. They're really into kink. And that's like a really big part of their relationship and also who they are. But they were having this uh, wedding (laughs) with their family (laughs) and they weren't trying to be, you know, super kinky in front of their family because Mm -hmm. that's maybe not uh, appropriate in front of grandma Mm -hmm. and grandpa. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they had people in their wedding party stand up on either side who were other partners, like, uh, i.e. best man or maid of honor kind of Mm -hmm. a thing. Those folks were also helping with the with the wedding, like doing a lot of assisting and caring for for everybody, holding flowers and sharing readings, mm-hmm. and also to do a little, you know, throwback to the kink, but in a uh, controlled way. We decided to do a hand fasting ceremony, which is where you tie the hands of the couple together, sort of bind them in marriage. And it's like a super vanilla thing in public, but to them, it was like, wow, we're getting tied up. (laughs) And they really just thought that that was so delightful. And it really sort of spoke to their kink of they like, you know, rope. And and they also had their other partners there sort of helping with that sort of tying. Now, the other Mm -hmm. partners weren't also getting hand-fasted with them. It wasn't like a commitment ceremony for the four Mm -hmm. partners that were present Mm -hmm. with these two people who were legally getting married, but the other partners were there and were present and joyful and Mm -hmm. helping. And, and it was very fun. (laughs) I love that. I also love that the combination of having something very like ancient old, you know, hand fasting comes from the Celtics, right? The Celts that they're doing something so ancient and and traditional as a nod to their sexual expression, what brings them together in terms of a relationship and kind of that merging of, of kink and ancient tradition uh, and the sort of the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. For those who get it, it's funny. It's like an inside joke for for people who who they share that with and still be appropriate for grandma and grandpa. I love I love that idea. I love the um, the creativity of it. And they're not abandoning any part of them. They're just finding a way to put it together and keep it under the radar. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> love that. I'm wondering if you can give uh, there are two more examples in mind that I'm curious about. One is a ceremony where let's say three or more people are being are committing to each other. And then the second that I'm wondering if you've done is a ceremony with somebody who they cannot legally marry. So so in my situation, essentially married, want to do something that's special, don't want it to be like a wedding and what, you know, doing some sort of ceremony. So I don't know if you've done either of those things, but I'm just curious about what those would have looked like. Sure. So I haven't done like a three person ceremony yet. There was one that I was supposed to do during the fall of 2020, but it has been postponed. (laughs) But the three-person ceremony that I was planning to do, one of the things we were talking about was actually having some Q&As for the the wedding guests ahead of time written out 
Like who's mm-hmm. legally getting married here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, these were things that the Threpple felt like sharing with their families and friends. They also had a whole plan of like, well, these two are going to get legally married, but like these two are going to have a kid together. So that's sort of like binding them. And they were mm-hmm. working with, I think you've probably had chosen family law center on your, mm-hmm. on your show before you've mentioned mm-hmm. them, but they were working with chosen family law center to help them make like a family LLC. Mm-hmm. And so they had all kinds of cool stuff in mind for their three person ceremony. But I would say just for people who want to do a three person ceremony, people choose not to get married for lots of reasons. Perhaps you want to keep, you know, your name or, I mean, keep your name anyway these days, but perhaps you for tax purposes or maybe because you're married to someone else or, or whatever it is, a three person ceremony that two of those people don't actually have to get married. It could simply just be a commitment ceremony between the three of them. And I think that what's important is again, that those people are designing it in such a way where it feels so beautiful and so special to them and that they don't feel pressure from the status quo of having to do something like anything that the wedding industry loves to put pressure on people to do spend tons of money needs to look this way. These things need to happen. These things need to be said. None of that has to happen. The only thing that I feel like is important is that you are listening to each other. If you're working with a planner, that that person is listening to you and that it really just starts with what you want in terms of, you know, your second question with what would a non-wedding ceremony look like or a non-wedding event? I think that designing a ritual that feels really wonderful for you could be, again, do, do you want people there or do you want to do it by yourself? Right? These are all questions that are very particular to the people who are being committed to each other. Would you like to write things out ahead of time or would you like to say things to each other? Do you want to craft some kind of unifying thing like some people use the the rings or the wine glass? Some people make it silly like sharing a sandwich, right? <laughs> Same mm-hmm. example I gave earlier. But I mean, I know you a little bit, but I feel like I would have to spend so much more time with you to really listen to what you mm-hmm. wanted to sort of be able to, to answer that for you in particular. I guess one thing I can say is sometimes people come to me, they know what they want. They have like a dream and an instinct, but they're either too timid or like shy to say it up front, or they have been pressured by other people, maybe their family, maybe their other partners, maybe the wedding industry, maybe like Instagram, like, Ooh, hottest wedding trends of 2022. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe they've just been pressured by other things that aren't really going to make them happy. Mm -hmm. So if there's an opportunity to let some of the anxiety calm down, maybe have a couple of conversations about it, don't listen to the wedding planner. (laughs) 
listen to yourselves. <laughs> Good advice right there. Best advice for a wedding, wedding planner. Don't listen to the wedding planner. Listen to your inner voice. Great advice. Yes. It makes sense. I, what we ended up doing, honestly, was having a conversation around what is it that we wanted to feel in that experience. Mm-hmm. And then we designed something around the feeling. So we wanted it to feel intimate. We wanted it to feel like a ritual, like it was mm-hmm. something that was important. Oh my gosh, that's so wonderful. <laughs> I also imagine deciding on what the intention of what you're doing is also, I think, sets a tone, right? You can have a a ceremony that is about celebrating the relationship as it is here and now and today and really sort of honing in the tone of the ceremony, the the event, the party, whatever it is, to really celebrate the couple where they are today. And that would feel different than if they were to, uh, if it was a commitment ceremony, right? If it was more really about what they're committing to going forward, you know, and it's more future facing, has a different tone, maybe has a different tone and a purpose and an intention. So I think it's also worth thinking about how you want to feel and what is your intention? Like, what what are you trying to do? Uh, what are you trying to create? What are you trying to mark with this particular event? And I think from that also you can decide whether you want to share it or be private and all those, all these other details. I think really nailing those two, two things down and then having an excellent wedding planner that will listen to you and your inner voice, <laughs> you can come up with something that is really special. I love that. Absolutely. And I also think sometimes people just need a wedding planner so that they can enjoy their special day and mm. not have like a mm-hmm. second job uh, leaning up to this. And sometimes people really do want to do all of the planning themselves and just have someone show up to execute their dreams, you know? So I think if people do choose to hire a wedding planner, there's so many different options for people nowadays for, for what that looks like and how much it costs and who you're working with. And, you know, Mm. there's, there's so many options for people. doesn't, that also doesn't have to be a certain way anymore. Yeah. I imagine that one of the main challenges in having either having a non-traditional ceremony or within non-traditional relationships is figuring out who to partner with in order to do the things. So for example, you mentioned the Chosen Family Law Center, which is actually who my wife and I used when we got married. And we've had Diana Adams on uh, do workshops for us around legal rights for non-traditional relationships and non-traditional partnering and family structures. And so for folks, if you're interested in watching that, you can go onto our Patreon and see the full video there. I'm wondering if there are other examples of how folks can find caterers and photographers and officiants and folks who they don't have to do so much explaining (laughs) about what it is. They're worried and embarrassed. Wow, that is so awesome. I think that for the last wedding that I did in Santa Fe, this couple in particular told me right out, like we only want to work with queer vendors Mm -hmm. and in Santa Fe, New Mexico, that was tough. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, and not everything, it wasn't possible with every single vendor just because of it's such a small, it's a small little town, you know, a small city, but as many as we could, we had queer, vendors and then the vendors who weren't like queer businesses I had to have individual conversations multiple times and also the day of with the staff to say I need to make sure that you use 
this person who's getting married's correct pronouns. Their pronouns are they and them. I'm going to give you some examples. We're going to practice. I don't want this person being misgendered on their wedding day. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that would be the most horrible mm-hmm. thing? It's like you're paying all this money of you all your friends there. You're addressed to the nines and then someone just misgenders you. So one of the reasons why they wanted all queer vendors was was so that this, you know, celebrant wasn't being misgendered. And so obviously, you know, having a person who's going to listen to you and your dreams and desires as a, as a filter, like a wedding planner can, can help with that. But if you are working without a wedding planner, if you're working on your own nowadays, these, um, you know, the knot and wedding wire, they do have filters for LGBTQ plus owned businesses. So it's Mm -hmm. not just people who are like, we're gay friendly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's like, that just means we'll, we'll bake your cake for you if you're gay. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Um, this is that, that means that the, the owner of the business is themselves identifying mm-hmm. as part of the community. I interviewed photographers, you know, for one of the polyamorous, like, you know, weddings that I was doing where actually one of the photographers was totally not comfortable with mm-hmm. the idea that these people were polyamorous and I had no idea until mm. I was talking to this photographer and I was like, Oh boy, I better. And and this is a very, very talented, you know, photographer. And I sort of was like, well, you know, it's just actually only two people getting married. It's not multiple people. And, you know, and they were still like, I'm not comfortable with that. So I think really finding people who mm. want to co-create your vision with you mm-hmm. and who are champions for you is really, really important. And that I think is done just with careful, can even be short conversations before you sign anything with those mm-hmm. vendors, just to really make sure that they, that they understand, you know, if you start talking about pronouns and they're like, what, maybe they're not the right vendor for you <laughs> if you're queer. You know, right. <laughs> and you don't want to you don't want to be having to educate everybody as a part of your wedding effort and spend energy time effort towards also educating the masses when you just want you know beautiful pictures and be accepted and referred to as, as, as who you are. So that makes a lot of that makes a lot of a lot of sense. I once threw a conscious uncoupling party for close friends of ours, and at the time I was dating them, and they remain as as, as my good friends. And, you know, we were, I was a part of their relationship and they wanted to transition out of a a more committed partnership into more of a friendship with keeping some of the connection and, and, you know, remain within the community and in each other's lives, but they wanted to kind of officially and consciously uncouple. And, uh, you know, the way that they want to do it is, is with friends and close people and lovers and other relationships. And because I was in a relationship with them and I was in a position that I could, I threw them a party to do that. And it was so much fun. I thought it was such a great reason to celebrate. And I'm asking, have you only done event celebrations that are about the merging of relationships? And if you considered celebrating, if you've come across people who are wanting to celebrate transitioning or changing the relationship or, or something completely different? I think that the conscious uncoupling that you're referring to was probably the first time I ever heard of that, uh, you know, several years ago, but I think it's so delightful and 
I love that, you know, Dan Savage talks about like, why don't we just celebrate successes in relationships? Like, what if you have a really wonderful one night stand? That's a success. Mm -hmm. Like you should celebrate it. Or like, what if you have a weekend thing with someone and it's amazing? Like we should celebrate that. What only successful relationships are you're together till you die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think why not? I mean, man, life has been so difficult for so many people with the pandemic. I say, find as many reasons to celebrate as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, here. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have one last question that I want to squeeze in before we get to find out a little bit more about you. I am wondering what are some of the main challenges that you come across when you're organizing non-traditional ceremonies? Like what are the like top three things that you run into that come up and that you've become like master at solving these days? That's a fantastic question. Obviously the budget is always a really Mm. challenging thing for people. So one of the things I do with people is we meditate and we breathe before we talk about money. We use talking about money together as an exercise in talking about more challenging, you know, harder things down the road. And I really coach people on, you know, how to be okay with talking about money and also keeping people aligned with their budget. I don't Mm -hmm. ever push people to go over their budget, but that's a challenging thing because sometimes people want something that they can't afford, you know, so we, so we either get creative or we, we change it. Mm -hmm. The second thing I would say is Navigating family, mm-hmm. I think for traditional or non-traditional, any kind of ceremony, any kind of marriage, family is always tricky. And I think it's great to have a wedding planner because you can always blame the wedding planner. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mother-in-law, we can't get that thing. The wedding planner said no. Um, <laughs> nice. But Take also, it up with the wedding planner. <laughs> that's right. Not just that, you know, not just using, you know, the wedding planner as a buffer, but also really, uh, you know, truthfully navigating family is, is so tricky. It's, you know, it is, there's all these things where it's like, it's supposed to be your special day. It's supposed to be what you want, but then there's often just pressure from family. Maybe they're helping pay for it. Maybe you just want to take their wishes into heart. And so I think that really having an opportunity to discuss some of that and what you, what you're willing to accommodate versus what you really you know, what still aligns with your wishes and also people getting married are also hopefully entering into a whole support network of family that is supposed to sort of be around them to support them in this journey. So part of that, you know, happens with the planning and with the ceremony itself. And then I think the other thing is really challenging the status quo itself of like, we, we think that weddings are supposed to look a certain way. We think that they're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to deal with the hottest trends or that it, we need a mood board to like, in order for this wedding to be successful. But I think that that's the wrong approach. I think it really starts with listening to the couple or the thruple or the multiple people or whomever is doing this celebration. It really starts with listening to each other talking to each other about dreams and desires and really taking it from there. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. I would like to actually learn a little bit more about your dreams and desires. And so we have four questions that we're going to ask you to learn a, bit, a little bit more about you. Great. And so the first question is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self about love, sex, or relationships? Be open, be curious, ask mm-hmm. questions. 
talk to as many people as you can about your journey. Okay. <laughs> Crowdsource your relationship journey support. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. What is one romantic or sexual adventure on your bucket list, Amber? Wow. Well, I don't know how many are safe for work. So I think we're not a safe for work. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. uh, we're not a safe for work guest. So take it away. <laughs> don't hold back. I think that a romantic thing that I've been sort of dreaming of lately is I would love to see the Northern Lights. Mm. And so I think it would be really cool to take a partner to somewhere like to Finland or to Iceland and get in one of those like geodesic like glass domes mm -hmm. and look up at the sky and see the northern lights that's that's a that's a romantic uh, love. aspiration <laughs> love that's beautiful so this may be self-evident but how do you challenge the status quo amber i really believe that i challenge the status quo by i'm interested in disrupting the current mm -hmm. wedding industry i think oh, that yes. People feel so pressured to spend tons of money and that things have to be a certain way. And I think that challenging the status quo is instead listening to people mm -hmm. and giving people the experience and the rituals and the care mm -hmm. that they really desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love I love how you're also challenging the status quo uh, with us. So uh, thank you for the work that you do. Yeah, thank you. Last but definitely not least, um, Amber, what are you curious about lately? I have bats in my attic. I have an old uh, farmhouse. <laughs> I'm curious about how to get rid of those guys. <laughs> wow. Uh huh. You need to make, uh, and I think you need an owl. <laughs> <laughs> wow yes i once had a bat in my basement and then i just didn't go into the basement for a long time and i don't know what happened i don't know if it's still there i don't know if it isn't but i i was like nature will figure itself out nice. i just need to stay out of the way nice that's so funny i love yeah, that spring but i am curious yeah. <laughs> right. If anyone has tips, write in on how Amber can manage these bats that are in. Get rid of bats. If you know anything about bats, please write in. Absolutely. <laughs> Amber, thank you so so much for joining us. Um, this has been really interesting. I think we get um so caught up in the relationship dynamics of it all and and we don't really think of sort of the tradition uh, the ceremonies and celebrations of relationships as you know we often focus on the work here like how can we work what's the work look like how do we better ourselves how do we understand more how do we communicate better how do we develop ourselves you know we're, we're often on that mode and it's nice to take a break from that and really sort of think about how do we celebrate um, how do we creatively express love and commitment, if that makes sense for you, and connect with with one another in whatever configuration that makes sense, and and make room for loved ones to join us or not, or or do it in private, which also works, right? So um, it was so nice to to be able to do that with you, and thank you so much for the work that you do, and and I know you as a friend, as a close friend somebody that I love and care for and respect, and I've seen you in action, and if I was to get married in this lifetime you will be the person that i will be coming to because you're awesome so thank you oh thank you so much and thank you for having me on the show i'm such a huge fan and uh, i really appreciate your curious and, and thoughtful questions both of you thank you 
were so great. She's so great. <laughs> I miss her, actually. I have to say, I miss her. Yeah. I wanted, now I want to, it makes, and also it makes me miss events. Like, no. <laughs> it makes me miss doing things in person. Yes. At some point, when we can, when you're back in, in New York and we can all gather freely, mm. then we should hire her to do like a, cel- like a Curious Fox celebration, like a yes. celebrating, a rejoining of us and, oh our, God, and our, yes. on our community and all the foxes. Yeah. yeah. So this actually makes me think, right? Maybe a QPR celebrations, a cryptotonic relationship celebrations. That uh, would be kind of interesting, yeah. right? So, I mean, I, I love the work yeah. that she's doing and and I'm inspired by the work that she's doing in thinking like, what are the relationships that we can celebrate and how can we expand our our sort of psyche around these relationships by marking, by celebrating, by putting rituals to them and, and celebrate the importance of these relationships. I think that might go towards building community and building a support network and feeling grounded and safe um, across multiple relationships. So I think weddings are one great reason to celebrate. I think there are a bunch of other ways, other ways and other situations to celebrate as well. Yeah, we're going to be doing an episode next with Jamie Krems around the psychology of female friendships. Yes. And so that I know you and I are excited to listen to because this yeah. friendship is very different than any that I've had before. And so, yeah. yes, why don't we celebrate and honor ourselves? We should. Totally. Yes. I think you're right. When I'm when I'm back in New York, we should we should throw a, a special friendship ceremony. I like that. I actually like that idea. I'm in. Because like I, I mentioned in the, in the conversation with Amber as well, I threw a conscious uncoupling party for dear, dear friends of mine whom I was in a relationship with at the time. And we were in a, in a whole, you know, happy, healthy, thriving relationship, the three of us. And they were going, they were dating way before I met them. And when I did... It was, you know, it just clicked and it was really at the beginning of my journey. And I talk about um, Jennifer as one of my metamor that really changed the way I think about relationships. And I often mention her when I'm talking about metamors. So it's a very special relationship for me and she's still very much in my life. I love her. She has a very special place in my heart. And when she and our partner uh, decided to uncouple. It just made sense that they celebrated and they had a party. It also reflected who they who they were as people. They were entrenched in the community, and we spent a lot of time socializing and and partying, and that was the way that we connected. When they decided to transition out of a union into more of a friendship um, situation, they asked me, as at the time the closest person to them, to guide that that celebration, that transition. And it was a delight. I was, it was, I was so excited to do it. And I was honored that they asked me to do it. And it was, I was working through how, at some point, how counterintuitive it was. I was like, hold on, you know, these, I love these people and they are technically in the, in the normie world breaking up. But, mm-hmm. but I love the way that they were looking at it. And I love the way that we handled it. And I love how, we celebrated it and it really resonated with me with me. So I think there's a lot lot to think about there. Yeah. I wish I would have had that. You know, when I got divorced, it was as many divorces are, there were moments of contention and when you're dealing with money and co-parenting mm-hmm. and splitting of things and time. And now and we we haven't been together in eight, nine years. We're mm-hmm. friends, we hang out, we hang out 
with with our daughter. We text each other gifts and memes and jokes. And so I'm glad that we got to a place where we could be that friendly again. But I wish we could go back. Mm. There are things I would have wanted to say. Even mm-hmm. now, I would do it. I don't think he'd be open to it. But I would do something that honors what we had together. We were together for 10 years. We had a daughter. Like I have questions still. Like they're just, there feel like some things that are unresolved that like mm. having and planning something together that celebrates who we were. Mm-hmm. I w- I like that idea. Yeah, maybe I'm gonna put it out into the future. I mean, I'm into into the universe. I love that. We should. Yeah, I mean, in in this particular ceremony, they, that's exactly what they did. There was a gathering of friends, and we were sort of drinking and and being social. And then they stepped to one side. We all went in a room and sat around the three of us. And they wanted me to sort of moderate and be there and support them as they said what they whatever they needed to do to have closure. It wasn't really mm-hmm. a matter of conversation, but more about just hearing the other person. So they had already decided that they were transitioning and there was nothing to change or alter. It was just about letting it run its course. So it wasn't a moment for discussion or reconciliation or like everything that needed to be said was said mm-hmm. and the minds were made. So they just said whatever they needed to for closure and the other person listened and that's all that was mm-hmm. you know, expected or requested of them. They took Mm -hmm. turns and as a part of that, they talked about what they loved about each other and and they made a distinction between how they feel about each other versus how they look at a relationship and what they need out of a relationship and what they want the relationship to look like. Seeing that live in front of me was really insightful and it it really, it really influences the way I coach um, some of my clients. They were Mm -hmm. sort of very clear in making that distinction of that they, they love each other. It's just their vision for relationships don't align anymore. You know, when they were ready, when they felt there was closure, they addressed our friends. Um, they both said their piece about how they're feeling and and how they feel about the other person and where they see their relationship going in the future. So they talked about transitioning into a friendship and wanting to remain a support network um, for one another mm-hmm. and and sort of asked for what they needed. Right? They could have said, "We want to take a break. We don't want to see each other for a while as we heal and whatever." But they that's not what they said. But it was it was a moment for them to sort of say out to their friends where that relationship was going. So there was clarity. Right? It cut down the questions mm-hmm. and the gossip and the presumptions and the awkwardness. They told everybody that they would really appreciate support, but they don't need anything to be accommodated. So they don't need to make sure who's invited where and you know who's taking sides and all that kind of stuff. It was beautiful. And then, you know, after all that was said and everybody said, I know I said a few words about them and, you know, what I loved about their relationship and how much I loved them and how much I really appreciated being a part of that. And it was beautiful. Like everything was said. And then we partied, we drank, we, you know, had cuddle puddles and do what we do. And it was beautiful. It was really, really meaningful. Wow. It just as you're saying that, like so many different things are coming up in my mind around how we do need more celebration. Mm-hmm. Like we need more moments to honor and to recognize. And I love the idea of sharing and the other person not saying anything. When we, when I did my uh, vows with my wife, first we wrote them together mm-hmm. and they were not vows. They were essentially, they weren't promises, but they were statements around who we want to be with each other. And so we talked about that, about how we want to show up for each other in celebration of the big and little things, about not just reserving the least of our energy for our partnership and giving our energy away to everybody else. And I'm going to, I'll share out if, if she's comfortable, I'll share them out with folks because we took a lot of time to figure out again, not, not what we we're going to promise, but who we wanted to be 
And so it keeps going back to that. Everything keeps going back to the same things, right? Which is know how you want to feel, know what you need, communicate, Mm -hmm. design things that are unique to who you are and your partnerships. And Amber has has showed us a way to do that within weddings. Yeah. And and not only she's, you know, she shared with us all the ways that you can do that. I also love her attitude of not necessarily making it you know, meeting all the expectations and, and approaching it from almost a sort of anti-capitalist, queer ceremonies kind of way, which aligns with a lot of our politics, right? And and sort of thinking, do we really need to spend the average $20,000 on a on a ceremony? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing that? You know, is, is, is it really meaningful? Maybe we do. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with spending, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds and thousands if that's what you want to do. It's not a judgment mm-hmm. on that. It is doing it because it's what you want to rather than you think it's it's mm-hmm. something that needs to be done, right? If it means, you know, if you want to do a skydive into a waterfall <laughs> and have an orchestra that meets you as you step out of your waterfall, like if you want to do that, great, yes, do that. It is not a judgment on what yes, you're doing. It, you're doing it because you're choosing to do it because you want to do it and not because you feel like you have to tick some boxes and, and cut a check and every co- you know er, at every step. So I, I love that. I love that idea. Yeah. And you, if I ever have a ceremony again, you have actually just written it. I'm going to skydive into a waterfall oh. and have an orchestra <laughs> play as I emerge. That is, that's it now. It's done. That's the thing. That should actually be our queer platonic relationship with uh, ceremony with each other. Yeah, that's funny. If you're interested in exploring different options for how you can plan a ceremony for you and your partners, then you can find out more about Amber on her website, Instagram, email, all under weddings by Amber. And that is where you can sign up for a free consultation in order to have a dialogue with her about what is possible for you. And while you're online, of course, you can check us out on our website, on Instagram, on Facebook, all under We Are Curious Foxes all for different reasons. You'll go to our website to look for our blog posts where we've written about all sorts of things in love, sex, and relationships. You're going to go to Instagram in order to see our upcoming podcast so that you can submit some questions that we can ask to the guests. And then you're going to go on Facebook after the podcast so that you can talk about it with other folks who've listened. We are excited that we can also share some behind the scenes and some video workshops and other things via our Patreon. So you can go there at We Are Curious Foxes also. And lastly, if you have some feedback that you want to share, if you have questions, if you want to get in touch with us, there are a few ways you can do that. First, you can do it by sending us a comment via Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher because I know that you've already followed and liked it. So go the next step now and write something to us. And you can also write us at listening at We Are Curious Foxes. You can send us a voice memo there. Or lastly, you can give us a call at 201-870-0063. This episode is produced and edited by Nina Pollock, who we love to celebrate every week. Our intro music is composed by Dev Saha. We are so grateful for their work and we're grateful to you for listening. As always, stay curious, friends. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.